So, Michael Evis, uh, another wonderful event, top names, great weather, and a record number of almost a quarter of a million people. You must be very, very happy. Uh, Oh, yes, I think it's terrific that so many people attend the event and are prepared to camp here and stay up till the early hours. Aren't you concerned about the behaviour of some of the fans? Oh, well, yes, there obviously there's quite a lot of drinking, and there are a few individuals here who do drugs. Obviously, I can't condone that. Uh, but to be honest, it all adds to the festival feeling and a unique atmosphere. But as the organiser of Glastonbury, you must be concerned that this could threaten the future of the event. Glastonbury? I thought you were talking about Le Mans. Those Astons sound great, don't they? Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm the bit called Gareth. And I'm Zog. Richard is not with us tonight, but that space will be more than ably filled by television's Violet Berlin. Really? Who's, uh, what are you doing at the moment? You're gathering what, V? I'm gathering news data to do my... Gathering... Uh, a bit later on in the Vaguely, we Working can hear the internet. You. Yes, um, gathering news data. I don't know quite how this is going to work, but Violet's got a plan, and Violet's plans usually work out. So they usually that, do. That's in the second half of the show. The first half of the show, we're going to talk about F1. Zog, has war broken out or has peace broken out in F1? What do you reckon? I think it's as confusing as it ever was. Who knows? It seemed for just a day or so as if they they'd actually managed to work things out. There'd been you know some kind of backroom deal, and everyone seemed happy. And then maybe because one or two people sounded a bit too triumphalist, Mosley sort of threw his toys out of the pram again, and maybe it's all going to fall apart again. Who knows? It's not a very sporting thing, is it? To be not very gracious in defeat and to be ungracious when you win. And as they say in Formula One, it's only a sport for a couple of hours on Sunday afternoon. The rest of the time, it's, it's business or politics or legalese isn't it and I think what you have is this situation where there's no real clear winner because Bernie's apparently evidently allegedly gone in there and said look you know stop this now otherwise we'll have nothing to argue over there either of us Max you've got to step down F1 teams you've got to accept the rules and then all parties are happy and then afterwards because neither parties are happy because all parties are happy, because you're only really happy not only if you've won, but the other guys are seen to have lost, you've got this resentment going on. So the voter teams say, well, you know, we want a really independent FIA president, not Max. And he gets upset about that. And, yeah, It's not very gracious. And either. It's not sport. It's- it makes me wonder exactly what they did agree in that backroom, you know, whatever the deal was that was thrashed out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it clearly wasn't ending with any signatures on it, that anything that had any kind of legal force. What do you, what do you reckon it was? Well, I, I, who knows? I mean, but, you know, Something involving Slavica? I don't know. I'm guessing. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> is that libelous? That's where your imagination's going. Uh, no. <laughs> Obviously, Bernie banged heads together and presumably persuaded the photo guides that they were going to have what they wanted in terms of not having stuff imposed on them that they didn't want to have imposed on them, which seems to be the, what they're really worried about. And whatever trust was there now has presumably been rather wrecked by Mosley suggesting that he might stand again. And, you know, who knows? I remember imagining what the alternative F1 season could be. I think we had this conversation, you and I, a while back. You know, which circuits would they go to if the breakaway series was going to happen? And I got genuinely excited and thought that actually the photo series I would follow. 
rather than the Maxi series. I love Williams, but it's not enough. If it was that full set of photo teams racing an interesting bunch of circuits, and they, you know, they could have a few interesting circuits on the calendars that have been sort of, yeah. you know, knocked about. Yeah, I'd certainly want to watch that. But I wonder, have they passed the point now where they could actually get this series together? Because although they were clearly taking sort of the first steps, and they were coming very close to really getting things moving. They then took their foot off the gas, as it were. Yeah, and, uh, yeah uh, well, know, that's right. Step back because of the deal that was apparently made. Have they lost a bit too much momentum? Could they actually still get it together? If, I, I, if they, I, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, about, I, um, I suspect they may, they may have passed the point at which it could be done. Now. Knowing the kind of strategist that Max is and Bernie is, I mean, you know, that strategy is not just in Formula One to avoid getting stuck behind a slower car. You know, these guys are operating a strategic way as well. Max could well agree, yes, I'll go, darlings. And this was his plan all along. Fota then, relax, okay, we're back on. And then he can later impose what he always wanted to impose, having bought himself time and put the photo teams in a position where they do not have enough time to organise an option. And that's the kind of thinking that these people employ when they make these kind of decisions. Genius, really. <laughs> Ross Braun should run Formula One. He would always get his way, wouldn't he? The strategy would always work out in his favour. Another thing that strikes about all this is that the new teams in the sport, Campos, Manor, could be rather wrong-footed by the way all this is developing. Absolutely, because yeah. uh, if it turns out that budget caps aren't going to work in the way that they had expected, they may be at a disadvantage because they may plan on the basis of a particular budget cap. Who'd be at USF1's operation right now? You know, how, how much we got to spend? 30 million? 40 million? 9 million? 200 million? You mm. can't manage a business like that. You know, you cut your cloth to the resources available and they don't know what their cloth is going to be. They're not going to win races next year. They're not probably going to pre-qualify next year. If it continues like this, it is unfair on the new teams. Maybe that's what the photo teams want. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but talking of the new teams... Now, before yeah. we get a document, this is the list. The official teams are listed as follows. Scuderia Ferrari Marlborough. Yeah. Vodafone McLaren Mercedes. Yeah. BMW Sauber F1 team. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so they've all got the chassis and engine combinations we expect them to have. Renault F1 team. Renault. Panasonic Toyota Racing. Toyota. But when you get to the Red Bull teams, Scuderia Toro Rosso are listed as STR TBA. So at the moment, they've got Ferrari engines. That means there's no Ferrari deal or any engine deal done for next year. Similarly, Red Bull Racing are listed as Red Bull Racing TBA. There's some talk that they may be pitching for Mercedes engines. I don't know if they can get that. They may have to change the rules because of the number of teams that you are allowed to supply, which means someone would have to lose their Mercedes engine. I didn't know there was a limit on how many teams you could supply. Yeah, no more than three. Well, two is the limit, but three three was the exception made for Braun this year as I understand it so they're going to be arguing over the same engines and then you've got the new guys even Braun are listed Braun TBA do not have a Mercedes engine deal for next year I think Mercedes would be foolish to go anywhere else as you were saying earlier on, at least Mercedes are winning now, aren't they? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, if you're not going to win a race yourself, you might as well have the race won by one of your engines in the back of someone else's yes. car. That's fine. And then the three new teams, uh, which kind of make me laugh, I hate to say that because they are respectable, but you put them up against Formula One teams and they don't sound respectable. You know, Campos Meta Team, Campos, uh, listed as Campos Cosworth. Now, they're having the Cosworth engine 
Does this mean that this is not rev limited? Is the Cosworth engine allowed to breathe free still? They need to know that. There's no decision on that at the moment. The original rule said that that was going to be the case. Are they going to be carried through? No one's mentioning it. You would think, though, that the engine would have to be homologated to the same standard as the other engines, so... That wasn't the plan. Even though that sounds reasonable, that was not the plan. To allow Cosworth to come in with these teams to make it attractive, they would have engines that revved higher than all the homologated engines. And shocking was that connected in any way with the with the with the two tier idea that teams that are working to a lower budget would have fewer technical restrictions, yeah. and teams that are working to uh, a higher know, budget, limited budget yeah. were more restricted. Yeah, yeah. Bigger the budget, the less you can do. The smaller your yeah. budget, the more, the more you, you can, can do. do. Yes, it was originally linked to that, but it carries across in the new entry list that the Cosworth engines are not rev-limited in the same way as the others, so that's going to create that, an argument. Well, that will be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's still two-tier Formula 1. They're not going to agree on that. You know, we'll probably find out when I edit this programme that tonight there'll be an announcement about this. It's yeah. changed it, yeah. Manor Grand Prix, listed as Manor Cosworth again, yeah. and Team USF1, listed as Team USF1 Cosworth. Cosworth. I wouldn't be any of those three teams coming into Formula 1. No, but you say that those names look a bit out of place. They're sort of not quite up to par with one. Yeah, the names will look a lot different as soon as they... Start winning. Start actually winning. That's yeah, happens, you know, you know, yeah. if you win, if, if if you win races or you get some good results, I'm not saying that any of them are going to do that next year because I'm quite sure they're not. But Braun came straight out of the box. Yeah, that uh, was a shocker. What kind of uh, odds would a lot of people have given on them winning their races? Yeah. Given the background, given they were Honda, given how much money been put into developing that guy, yada yada. Actually, a lot of people would have said that. Fairy tales do happen. Yes, yes. We've but, just seen one. Yeah. But which of those teams seriously would you actually expect to make a decent job of it next to really year? Perform. I mean, I would expect them to be respectable. I, I wouldn't expect them to be doing it unless they could put on a good show. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you wouldn't expect them to be on that list now if they weren't able to put on a fairly decent show. Yeah. Of those three, Campos, Mana, and Team USF One. I discount Team USF One. Because they're working so far outside of the knowledge base of F1, it's just going to be hard for them. I really think they are very remote. And open wheel racing in America doesn't have the same level of development that it does in Europe. And I think they're just too far from here to be able to do it, unless they know something we don't. And I don't think they do, because these are not people who've proved that previously. Manor, I don't know enough about Manor. I know they can run a competitive race team, but I don't know anything about where the car's coming from. Mm. But Campos Meta Team. Campos Meta Team. Nice idea. The idea of a, a Meta, meta Team. team. Yeah, I think. <laughs> that itself is interesting. Campos, the chassis is coming from Dallara. Now, Dallara can build competitive race cars. Whether they can build something to F1 standard, I don't know. But they build the GP2 car. And Campos ran a GP2 car very, very successfully before they sold out to become ADAX or whatever they're called. Ajax, is it? Daz? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, Vim, Sif, whatever they're called. Yeah. So GP2 is about as close as you can get to F1 without being F1 these days, I would think. Even above your Super League Formula and your A1 GP, I think GP2 is still closer to F1. But it's still a massive leap. And in this 40th anniversary of the moon landing, you know, we need one great step from those guys to get anywhere near, I think. Hello, Pierre. Oui? C'est moi, Luke, uh, head of product strategy at Renault. Hello. We have a small problem with one of our products, and we were hoping that uh, you guys at Renault Marketing can uh, help us out a little with this one. Uh, the thing is that uh, we've, um, how you say, uh, a slight oversight regarding the new wagon version of the Renault Megane. What is your 
No. <laughs> no. no, not the fact that it is a spectacularly dull bit of design and a mediocre piece of engineering. No, no, no. What? No, the Renault F1 team had nothing to do with it. Uh, the problem is quite simply the name of the car. It's called the Renault Megane Sport Tourer. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Uh, we are stretching the truth a little bit. When we call it the Sport Tourer, it's about as sporty as, I don't know, Jared Depardieu after a double helping of escargot. <laughs> but that's not the problem I'm talking about, you see. No, uh, the problem is the name, Renault Megane Sport Tourer. What in the name of the TGV are we going to call the Renault Sport version of this car? <laughs> That's right, the Renault Megane Renault Sport Sport Tourer Sport. You see my problem? People will think that we're just a ridiculous manufacturer of absurd cars with even more absurd names. So if you have any ideas, I want to hear them now. Mm -hmm. I can see that working. Okay, we'll do as you say. We'll relaunch Renault as an Australian brand. I can hear it now. The Renault Megane Renault Sport 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 Tourer. <laughs> That's sorted that one out. Now, what do you suggest we do about the Laguna? Oh, merde. There is no that speed! That is a lorry! This is Gareth Jones on Speed without Richard Porter. Who no, 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 what? no. I'm Richard. You're Richard. Yes. Today I'm Richard. Okay. I, no, uh, it is different. You're, I changed it. You're not as tall, Richard. I like it. No, I'll prove I'm Richard. Go on then, prove it. Because I know a lot about car news. Ah, yeah, yeah. very good. <laughs> And it isn't at all because I've been looking at Twitter streams and things like that and just kind of like getting it off the internet. I thought I'd find a few car news stories right. that you wouldn't perhaps necessarily cover normally. Right, anything about And yeah, you yeah. normally bring stuff and talk about stuff you've been thinking about. Yeah, but let's true. see how you get on if it's sort of stuff so that you might been thinking have been thinking oh, about. God, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, so the first news item I have here is about the Aston Martin Signet. I don't know if you've read about this, but Aston Martin have got together with Toyota to launch the world's smallest super luxury car called the Signet. It's this kind of sort of brand-led, sort of marketing-led approach to things that I just don't like. It may be a lovely little posher version of the IQ, but why, really? It's Actually, all about I think the I know, brand. I think I know why, but... But, but I mean, they're sort of saying, from what I understand, that it will fall or succeed on whether they get the branding right and whether they're selling it to the sort of people who want the feel and the look and the styling. Whether they pitch of, it to the right people. Yeah. And whether... They're not going to get the feel, the look, the styling of an Aston Martin by adding, uh, what, eight grand to the price of a Toyota IQ. Now, first of all, the Toyota IQ is going to be far better built than any Aston Martin. <laughs> but that's no. okay. But that's okay because they will be building it, so, uh, yeah. so that's okay. Yeah. Oh, so Aston Martin will be building the IQ and therefore reducing it. Oh no, Toyota no, 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 Toyota are building it. And well, then no, as I understand, isn't, it, isn't it the idea that basically, yeah, yeah. That they're building um, them and then Aston going to stick on some different wheels and that's it, basically. I think it's a travesty. I think it's appalling. I think it's shocking. First of all, who wants a twenty grand Aston Martin? People who own real Aston Martins won't buy this to go in, you know, like the matching handbag. They won't. They're smarter than that. The only people who might want to are people who are thinking of spending 20 grand on a Mini, and there are plenty of those, and instead want an Aston Martin. But they can't 
buy it. What Aston Martin are saying at the moment is they will make it available as an option on anyone who buys an Aston Martin car. So I reckon it's doomed. People who want to buy it aren't allowed to and the people who are allowed to buy it won't blooming well have one and quite right too. Even though the IQ is a great car. Yeah, the IQ is a great car and I I basically agree this is a very dodgy idea but the reason that they're doing it, I would guess, is that it's a great way of lowering your average emissions as a manufacturer. Because all of Aston's ah, other vehicles are uh, very high emission, relative to the average car on the road. And that they suddenly have a low emission vehicle averaging out over the fleet. That means, that averaging out of their total sales, that means that they will, be, they will come in under any legal uh, requirement. That explains Ferrari's plan to market the Tata Nano as the Tata Nano Scuderia edition. There you go. <laughs> uh, but you are missing one thing that could also contribute to its success. Go on. Which is why do you think I picked out this story? You like it? The name! I mean, Signet. Signet. It's like a signet uh, ring. It's something you... No, yeah, it's like, like a little no. baby swan. Baby swan. A baby, little cute thank baby you, swan. dog. A baby yeah. swan. For me, it meant yeah. signet ring, which is like a really cheesy yeah. kind of 14-year-old thing. It just wasn't... It was bad. For isn't, those of us who can spell... Isn't S-I-G-N-E-T rather than C-Y-G-N-E-T? see, that's the trouble with being Welsh. Yeah, honestly, that stuff is completely academic. I swear. Can I say something now about it being Aston Martin's swan song? Oh! No, you can't. Edit that out. Edit that out. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Yes, that. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah, next news. Okay, here is a very superficial story, less serious. I noticed that Lewis Hamilton has bought his pussycat doll girlfriend, Nicole Scheringer, a new car for her 31st birthday. You know, we don't normally talk about celebrity gossip and stuff. But because it was a Porsche Cayman, I just wondered if Zog had a comment on that. If that, Because apparently Lewis Hamilton said, and I quote, it may not be exact because whatever newspapers reported this might not be the best papers, but it was a fitting gift. So is that a fitting uh, well, gift? Well, I think I wouldn't question uh, Lewis's taste here. I think he's got impeccable taste in fancy girlfriends and cars to buy them, yeah. I know you're a Porsche file, but if it's a fitting gift for her, you saying that the Cayman is a girl's car? No, I wouldn't make any such uh, so sexist a remark. <laughs> but is he allowed to buy a Porsche? Surely if he I'm buys a car... A little bit upset. I, I know, I'd be very upset. I, I don't know, I would guess that, that it's probably in his contract that he's only allowed to ride will be seen photographed in Mercedes in any time that he turns up in a magazine interview. Maybe he wants a Porsche and this is his way of getting to drive one. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think you're honest there, Violet. I, I thought, Zog, that you would probably be suggesting a, a different Porsche that might be a better gift or is, would any Porsche do? Is that your No, I, 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 I think the Cayman is a, is, a, is a nice little choice. Obviously, the KN would be a terrible idea. Uh, it I just believe is there's a an expression, idea. isn't there? Any Porsche in a storm. Oh, oh dear. dear. <laughs> no. Yeah, why has that never called on? I don't <laughs> <laughs> in the week when uh, Molly Sugden died, you know, Molly Sugden played Mrs. Oh. Slocum in High uh, Being Serves. And this is one of the rare occasions where on the programme I can talk about something that's really, really British, but most of the Americans listening will know as much about it as we do. It was huge in America, Are You Being Served? Really? Massive! Mm. Like Monty Python, you know, massive. Bigger over there than it was here, and it was big here. That Benny Hill and Monty Python. I should have written a sketch now with Mrs. Slocum talking about her. Lewis and the pussycat doll. Oh, my pussycat doll's dripping wet. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would do. That's it then. Yeah. Give us another one, V. More news. Okay, I have been reading this week 
somewhere on the internet that some survey that is apparently that's very precise well some done survey some survey, survey, survey yeah. says that you know, uh, Facebook again haven't you? I'm starting off here with a bit of anti-news the anti-news is that you shouldn't be buying snazzy coloured cars because it's hard to sell them on second hand and the colours become unfashionable after a while we, right. we all know this yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. but this study reveals the top three most popular colours of car on the road and I wondered if you could be able to name them that's all in Britain or worldwide it's British the BCA British black, car black, auctions black, silver red okay Zog says black, silver and red I will say in order blue, silver and white Oh, well, you're both close. You both said silver. Is so that number two? Um, the thing is we're both wrong. Uh, you're both, you both said silver. That was okay. right. Uh, Zog said black. And I you said, said blue. blue. They're the three. Silver, silver black, black, and blue. blue. Okay. Uh, and which is number one, blue? doesn't say which is number oh, one. Oh, really? They're just mm. the top three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, colour's important when you're choosing a car. You know, you, even people who really um, know about cars, and you say to them, well, what car do you want? They say, oh, I want to have a Ford GT in blue. Yeah. And that's essential. Even people who really care about cars, the colour of the car is really part of it. Isn't it, it is important, and, and it's more important with some cars than others. And it's fairly well established that if you're worried about the resale value of your Ferrari, make sure you get it in red or yellow. Mercedes, uh, depending on the model, you know, sort of white, yeah. the good colour for Mercedes, yeah. with, where it's not the good colour for other cars. Yeah, uh, yeah. you wouldn't want a white Jag, really. Well, actually, uh, the new XF looks fantastic in white. Uh, I almost uh, had a happy accident when I saw one the other week in white. It was tremendous. An older Jag, an XK120 or an XK150 in white, it's okay. That Police car going past looks good in white. <laughs> Actually, old police cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you yeah. go. My my Sora is white, which I think is a good colour for a Japanese car. But it's that kind of pearlescent white, and that gets yeah. an interesting of how paint technology develops, and you get certain colours are very much associated with certain eras because the way the, in which they yeah, work. With new, new colours yeah. come in and and yeah. then become very uh, I, popular on particular cars. I saw a two tone Nissan Primera today that went past. Oh, look at that brown Nissan Primera. Oh, it's too. Wise. Seriously, it was one of those like the TVRs. Oh, I love a, them. Yeah, but on a Nissan Primera, it was just hysterical. <laughs> My car, white. You know how your car dresses up as a golf? Porsche for Le Mans, I decided if I were to take my Sora to Le Mans it would have the number 11 in a circle on the door, huge NASA meatball roundel that famous NASA logo on the bonnet and in the window three American flags and on it the three names would be Armstrong, Aldrin and Collins, yeah. that's the car for this year yeah, yeah. Yeah. sponsor, you know, Von Braun yeah. um, uh, Boeing yeah, uh, Rockwell, Rocketdyne down the sponsor list down the side how do we get onto that subject? Is well, it in the news? It's interesting you've been talking about how much you love all these different white cars, and this organisation has been saying that the high-impact white finishes are quickly going to become deeply unfashionable. As they did in the 80s. Yeah, 80s cars. Which, which, do you remember golfs? Everyone had white golfs and mm. white Peugeots in the 80s. They look fantastic. They, then suddenly they look horrible. White cars are really hip now. They don't age well on the no. whole. Well, there's no such thing as one white, is there? It's no, just that you've already been sort of... As we know like... in our newly decorated Woo-hoo! Speed Towers here, which is painted in... White tie. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Around the top? One of the many whites on offer. <laughs> <laughs> More news. General Motors, I've been reading, has reached a tentative agreement to sell Saab to the Swedish sports car manufacturer Koenigsegg. Why do you think I chose this news item? Koenigsegg, because you speak Scandinavian languages. Not even close. 
Oh, but you do because you like Saab. No, because like I thought that it's the sort of thing that them? you two would find really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it is. You're not wrong. Go on. Well, I mean, the the, the thing that strikes me is, is, is interesting, is fascinating about it, is, is that you've got what you think of as being a you know like a tiny niche manufacturer. Eleven cars. I mean, they? not you know. Okay, I guess they're, they're not that tiny. Eighteen. But, Eighteen cars a last year. year. Mm. Yeah. You know, a company of that size taking up a Saab, and you know, yeah. that's a big car company. Ninety-three thousand cars. Last and year. they're not taking over the bit that makes uh, Swedish military jets as well, are they? I take it. That's uh, no. I think that's Saab that's, Aero. That's diff- yeah, it wouldn't yeah. Be, yeah, it wouldn't be the same. And Saab Aero, you have Volvo engines. Did you know that? That's the sad thing. Really? Yeah, Saab aircraft have Volvo Penta engines. That's Richard. Like, if he were here, he would back me up on that. Oh, but I, I, I believe it. But it's a bit odd because this is a bit symptomatic of this brand thing that's going on again at the moment. In the same way that Aston Martin are flexing the brand, Koenigsegg are buying Saab, but it's not really Koenigsegg. A bunch of businessmen have come together to use the Koenigsegg brand with Koenigsegg themselves to spearhead a brand expansion and buying Saab. Koenigsegg buying Saab is far more interesting than Swedish Financial Investments Alliance buying Saab. And it may actually help Saab without really being any different. But Saabs aren't something going to become more saleable because they've got a Koenigsegg badge on them because Saab is a better known brand True. than the Koenigsegg by a, by a fairly long shot. I mean, Koenigsegg is a better brand if you're after you know a really high performance, fabulous supercar, then obviously it's a whole different story. Mm. But people who are buying Saabs, it's not the same market. Is it maybe more that it's the management expertise? Just and the ambition of Mr Koenigsegg as well, hmm. who quite likes the idea of Owning the Swedish motor industry. Is you know? it really a Mr. Koenigsegg? Yeah, it really is, just... yeah. yeah, I can't remember his first name, but he's the man. I, I wish them well. I think it's kind of nice. I think it fits rather nicely. I think it'd be better if IKEA had bought Saab. I think that would be a better fit, kind of practical, modern, new, groovy, slightly green. That Flat would help. pack cars, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Flat, I like that idea. Yeah, well. yeah, you can fold your car away and park it underneath the house. Now, if they were taking over Westfield, that would make some sense. But Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Flat, that is a flat pack car, mm. the Westfield 7, yeah. the Caterham 7. <laughs> I like that. Ooh. Okay, is that your news roundup, Violet Merlin, of the television? Yeah, see how much I know about cars, <laughs> my name being Richard and all that. <laughs> Do you have a moment's silence for the death of Carmen? (laughs) Not Carmen the Opera. (laughs) Carmen, K-A-R-M-A-N-N. I knew that! (laughs) Richard! (laughs) I'm never going to read Sniff Petrol again. (laughs) I knew as much about cars as that Violet Berlin. (laughs) Violet, thank you very much Yes. Thank you very much Should we indeed. tell them now that I'm not actually Richard? Oh, <laughs> it was Violet all along, boys and girls. Thank you very much. Uh, before I go, there's a couple of things I want to do. The first one is read this delicious letter. It's from Alan P. from LA. This is gorgeous. My favourite emails that we've perhaps ever had on the show. Greetings, Gareth and Co. I'm cruising on Interstate 5 in Los Angeles on my way home from work. Now, so nice he's writing image. this while nice he's image. in the car. Yeah. And by cruising, I mean crawling along at five miles per hour, hopelessly stuck in the middle lane in endless, absolutely claustrophobic road range inducing mind-knowingly hopeless traffic. It's about 33 degrees out and it feels like 60 degrees with all the smog and noise. And on top of it, the car in front of me has about a 15 car length gap between it and the car in front. A 20 mile commute that takes over an hour one way. 
Joy. No, that's a great way to start an email. It, it explains why it doesn't also tail off halfway through with a major accident as he's typing this. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> we right. We know why he made it through. He was drinking coffee with the other hand. To help me get through this living hell and give me something else to focus on, I've taken to listening to your wonderful podcast. Thank you. I've just about caught up, and on this particular day, I happen to queue up the Le Mans coverage. I tell you, the moment I started hearing those classic cars roaring down the track, it was like I was in the Matrix. Holes in traffic started opening up on all sides of me that I could slip through and get ahead. I could feel myself being soothed by those gorgeous sounds and before I knew it my speedo was hovering around 80 miles per hour and felt like I was actually at Le Mans hunting down the Peugeots in my VW Jetta. Uh, thank you very much indeed. It's, it's a, he says he's so moved he wants to come next year and I've oh, mentioned... The yeah, this is what you want to do, isn't it? Spread the word. I've mentioned that we are considering a dedicated Gareth Jones on Speed campsite at Le Mans next year. I don't know if I'm prepared to take the risk, but I'm thinking about it. But I'll keep posted. Don't make any decisions yet. But by January, we'll have a decision. And Zog, you wanted to correct yourself about Le Mans, Oh, actually, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, cause, because I, when I listened back to the shows, I realised that I made two howlers in stuff that I'd said. When we were talking about the Legends race before the main event, First off, I said that I was quite looking forward to seeing some 917s, which uh, which clearly uh, I, I wouldn't have said if I'd known anything about what cars were actually going to be in the Legends <laughs> race, because they were never going to be in the 917s. But it's, it's the 40th anniversary of the 917 this year, and I had no idea what cars are going to be racing other than it was going to be old cars, and I just thought, yeah, it's, well, why not? Be so anyway, clearly, I hadn't done any research at all. <laughs> you can't be on duty all the time. We were there as Thank fans. You. Thank you. We? Thank you. Yeah. And also, I'd mentioned that I'd rather enjoyed watching the Shelby Daytona Coupe scrapping for the lead, uh, when, of course, it was a list of Jaguar. But to be fair, nobody else who was, uh, who was Corrected there, you. Uh, had any better idea about what it was. A mistake we will easily forgive you. Heck, you Thank know, Thank we you. are in altered states. But, uh, but we, li- we like to get our facts right. Yeah, that's right, we do. And talking of facts, the fact is... It is the Festival of Speed this weekend. Fantastic. And uh, the 917s will be at the Festival of Speed. A lot of 917s, Going up that hill. I'm going up the hill as well. In a Lotus Evora. I won't be driving, I'll be a passenger. I'm hoping to record it, and we'll do it on this programme in the next show. And while we're on the subject of festivals, it's all to say goodbye first. Goodbye. Uh, Did you enjoy uh, Glastonbury on TV? Did you watch any of it? A little bit. Did you see Neil Young? I didn't. I loved Neil Young at Glastonbury so much, I wrote a song about cars for him. So this is Neil Younger. We'll leave you with uh, 7 minutes and 40 seconds or thereabouts, which is short for Neil Young's song, of the fuel of cars to come. Uh, See you in the next show when Richard's back. I was Gareth Jones. Goodbye.
show on speed at garethjones.tv. Get lyrics, pictures and more information from www.garethjones.tv or subscribe for free at the iTunes store. Gareth Jones on Speed is made by Whizbang. Bang. <laughs>